Hi and welcome. Today we're going to be talking about a pretty interesting topic. We're going to revisit the idea of charity. More specifically, I'd like to think about and imagine, is there such thing as the opposite of charity? What I might describe as an anti-charity? We've talked about charity in this podcast before, and I think we've already established pretty thoroughly that from reading the Quran you can find that charity is more than just gold or silver or dollars and cents. We've established that charity rather is that variety of acts that promotes or establishes godliness or allows us to see God's finest attributes in interactions between humans and the world around them. What we've also established about charity is that God tells us time and time again in the Quran that charity will be rewarded not really on just a one-for-one basis. It's not just that every good deed you do will add to this scale in a literal sense. Rather, it's that every good deed, and this is part of what God describes as a mercy to us, every good deed will be rewarded ten times over, or will be multiplied over and over again. And God gives parables, the example of the grain seed that when it grows releases grain seeds time uh, multiple times over. God also explains this to us directly, and we visited this in our earlier charity episode. I encourage you to check that out if you haven't already. But today I'd like to think more about the opposite of that. So God often follows that up with the mention of people who do evil and how God will respond to evil. Now we find from reading the Quran that God says that he will not add to anybody's punishment more than what they have earned. So God says, well, we will multiply your good acts for you ten times over. Your evil will be restrained only to the evil that it has caused And for that only is what you will be punished. Now people in the Muslim faith and in other faiths often read into God a much more damning, uh, eternally angry, punishing God. But that is really something that in a fuller reading of the Quran is pretty difficult to take away. Let's reinforce this with a couple examples from the Quran. Chapter 6 verse 160 says, Whoever comes with a good deed will be rewarded tenfold, but whoever comes with a bad deed will be punished for only one. None will be wronged. Chapter 27, verses 89 and 90. Whoever comes with a good deed will be rewarded with what is better, and they will be secure from the horror on that day. And whoever comes with an evil deed will be hurled face first into the fire. Are you rewarded except for what you used to do? Now, I would like to note here that we can never forget when reading the Quran that, yes, the message and the essence of the Quran is, I would argue, relevant for all times and important for all times and worth studying and looking at for all times and communities. But understand that the format of the Quran, the Arabic language, the topics it covers, the language it uses, is bound by the fact that the Quran is being given to Prophet Muhammad in the context of his lifetime in order to deal with the day-to-day events and people and communities that are happening around him. So when we see this very vivid description of someone being hurled face first into the fire, understand that God is painting a picture here for the listener to the Prophet Muhammad. And this is in a society where killing, blood feuds, raiding caravans, warfare, life with the sword and armor and other things that have desensitized them to violence and other things that we might find shocking even in the slightest sense of today's context. But this is painting a very vivid picture for a person like that, that no, when you do evil, 
there will be something that you will not be pleased with as the as the reward or as the consequence for those actions but the important line in these verses are that those who do good deeds will be rewarded with what is better not an equal reward but what is better than what they did or what they used to do the person with the evil deed it will be said to them are you rewarded except for what you used to do so this is very important and i want to look at how the evil deed or what can be seen as the opposite of a charitable act an anti-act of charity if you will how this can lead to this this grave consequence but how it really does come from that act itself and from the person itself and how there really is no sense of injustice no sense of being wronged between god and that human being when thinking about that evil act so let's examine this closer chapter 45 verse 15 says whoever does good it is to their own benefit and whoever does evil it is to their own loss then to your lord will you be returned so we're seeing here a general theme and that is that nobody will be wronged further than what they used to do so any punishment that you earn or any punishment that we might face on the day of judgment or afterwards or in the afterlife it does come from ourselves so we have this understanding that we are building heaven or hell for ourselves with our actions now it seems like it is much easier to build towards heaven or paradise or whatever you want to call it based on the Quran and there are other verses we won't go too into detail about them today but maybe in another episode there are other verses that say that smaller misdeeds would be overlooked on the basis of doing larger good deeds or good deeds that will be multiplied in this way for you we see that following the major essences of religion and faith God tells us that minor things would be of course overlooked and people will be entered into paradise so clearly we have a more expansive view of heaven and hell I know there are those people especially in the Islamic tradition and this exists in other faiths too but there are people who believe the hadith the story about the Prophet Muhammad that he allegedly said that there will be 73 sects of Islam uh, on the Day of Judgment and only one of those 73 sects or groups of Islam will be saved and uh, the 72 of 73 others will all be cast into hell. Now we have to think, does this hadith really make sense? First of all, as we've already proven, it seems inconsistent with the Quran. When you read the Quran with context and in an all-encompassing manner, you think about all parts of the Quran, you compare it against its itself, you understand that there are no inconsistencies in the Quran, only in our own understanding of it, that we realize that in that sense, and that sense only, this hadith does not make, uh, it does not hold up. So we can discard it. But we can also uh, just look in a more logical or rational sense. Even today, have you stopped to count the many different sects or groups or uh, different followings of Islam? I would argue that there are way more than 73, and that alone can make us think this hadith does not make much sense. Finally, I would argue you can find in the Quran that the Prophet Muhammad says many times he has no knowledge of the unseen, of the hereafter, of the last day, or anything of that sort except what has been revealed to him by God. And we don't find in the Holy Quran anything that differs with that message. So it also calls into question this hadith. Now, we haven't talked about chapter 7 yet, which has maybe the most vivid or one of the most vivid descriptions of the sense of justice that the inmates of paradise and hell 
and whatever other realms there are in the afterlife, the feelings that they have and the conversations they have with themselves, with others, third-party observers, each other, it's, it's, we're not super clear on that part, but we do get a very good understanding of what might be the feelings among these groups. Chapter 7, verse 38 after describing the people who will enter the hellfire and those are the people and it's addressing all children of Adam so that can be thought of as all of the humans like us it says the people who enter the hellfire will be people who neglect to shun evil or to mend their ways when they see that they've done wrong or done something that seems evil who ignore the signs from within themselves or from God or from revelations or from prophets and live life in denial and arrogance and this is the language the Quran uses and those are the people who will enter the fire. And so when we get to verse 38, God tells us, God will say, enter the fire along with the groups of jinn and human that preceded you. And God tells us whenever a group enters hell, it will curse the preceding one until they are all gathered inside. So when one group enters hell, they will say, oh, if it were not for the people before us who misled us, who told us wrong things, who tricked us into believing, they should be the ones who are punished, not us. The followers will say to their leaders, Our Lord, they have misled us, so multiply their torment in the fire. He will answer, It has already been multiplied for all, but you do not know. We've already established through multiple verses, and we didn't even reference all the possible verses to take this understanding from. But we've established it's the clear commonality throughout the Quran about how God handles punishment. And we understand that God does not multiply punishment or bad deeds or evil in the way that he multiplies our good deeds for us. We've seen this. So then when God has said it has already been multiplied for all, your torment or your evil has already been multiplied for all. He's not saying that I am multiplying your punishment or multiplying your bad deeds for you. He's saying it has already been multiplied, but you do not know, if only you knew. So this is something that humans don't seem to be able to wrap their heads around, or at least these humans. This is the crux of what I wanted to point out to you today. Could it be that there is this karmic effect in the universe, that is karma, or however you also want to think about it, the, the, the ca cause and effect of the universe, the butterfly effect, for those of you who might have heard that concept before, the idea that every little thing leads to a series of connected events that you can't even tell are interrelated, but that each little action can lead to a plethora of individual little changes in the universe that can make, yes, good, and negative changes to the world around us, positive and negative. Could it be that when someone does evil, does a bad act, the opposite of charity, that the reason that it is that their punishment or their evil is multiplied for them is because those evil deeds lead to other evil, negative, awful things in the world and affect other people in evil ways. We know God says in other verses, those who are miserly bid others to miserly. We understand that there's a sense that evilness, wrongdoing, bad acts, acts of bad faith, lead other people down a similar path. When God tells us that the evil qualities belong to those who do evil, and that the best of qualities and attributes are what belong to God, maybe this is what he means. That the evil and unnecessary badness that we see in this world is from the inability of humans to see the never-ending consequences of what they used to do or what they are doing. 
So when God also describes in the afterlife that people will be shown what they used to do before them, maybe it's not as we assume that people are going to be given this redundant recompilation of everything they already know they used to do just to prove to them that they have earned the punishment that they're getting or the reward they're getting. Maybe that's part of it, but maybe it is also that God is going to show us the many different ways that both our good and evil acts led to this butterfly effect of consequences that maybe multiplied our good deeds for us in this natural karmic effect in the world and in the universe, whatever you want to call it. But also undoubtedly how every evil or bad act can lead to exponential increase in the amount of evil and badness in the world around us, in the people in our communities, in the people in this world. And I believe, just like with charity, this can happen on a large and small scale. And that on a large and small scale, everything will be known and reckoned by God. So yes, of course, those who wage wars of conquest and materialism, those who invade countries for no reason other than material wealth, or other superficial ungodly reasons, or those even who create racist and elitist policies that oppress people and make their lives harder for only the sake of greed and the acquisition of wealth. Yes, those people and the many negative consequences that their evil deeds create, they of course will see this multiplication of their evil deeds before them based only on that natural butterfly effect of negative consequences that they have created. But also consider on the lower level, when you say an unkind word to somebody else, think about that that might affect their psyche, which leads them to say an unkind word to someone in their orbit that then multiplies the effect of that negative unkind word, that misery that you bid to others from within yourself. Could that be the example of an uncharitable act that in a way creates this evilness that God says you might reside in if you're neglectful of this aspect of life? To me, this is my reminder that I have to always be conscious that what I do, my deeds, my thoughts, my actions have consequences and effects that are possibly unseen and unintended and unknowable to me. So we have to understand that as humans, our view, our scope, our range is very limited. But we do have to understand that there are greater things connecting all of us as human beings, connecting everything on this planet as everything was from God, from one creator. I hope that in thinking about our deeds in this way, as charitable and as the opposite of charitable, as good and as evil, and what is it adding to the world and to the society that we are in? What is it adding to what we will earn in this afterlife, I hope that it will make each of us more God-conscious on a daily basis. As always, thank you for listening. Please subscribe, share with others who you think might enjoy, and I look forward to joining you again to discuss these fascinating issues that mean so much to us. May God bless Rasulullah Muhammad and his family. May God bless all the righteous believers who believe in God, the last day, establish prayer, charity, and do righteous acts.